Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Blitzers, the podcast where Steelers football is unfiltered. Welcome to Blitz Hurst Podcast with your host, May Shayla, as I am kicking off this episode with my very special guest, Mr. Christopher Carter from Locked On, Pit- Locked On Steelers Podcast, and he also writes and works for Pittsburgh's Post-Gazette. Christopher, how are you doing on this day? Thank you for joining. I'm, a pre- I'm, I'm very good today. How you doing, Ms. Shayla? Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, um, I'm doing well. Just hanging in there. Obviously... These these past two weeks has been crazy. This has been an extreme offseason for this Pittsburgh Steelers team who, well, didn't start off at its best, but didn't end the season at its worst as they did finish the season 9-8. and eight. And obviously when you go from a football team that was 2-6 and six and 3-6 and six to not being even in the hunt to being one of the last souls standing for a playoff berth. And like we, like I've said on numerous episodes before, um, a Joe Flacco list interception away from being in the playoffs. How do you feel about the 2022 season? How do you feel about this team heading into this season as we get started with this? Well, I think one of the biggest objectives of 2022 was to find identities. And that was the biggest thing you had with a lot of young players like Kenny Pickett, uh, even with guys like Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth and an offensive line that needed to find an identity. Um, and you needed to find find it quick for these guys because the Steelers and Mike Tomlin, they needed to find, find a trajectory. Everyone knew that going into that season, they weren't going to be a team that was going to be a real contender. This was a rebuilding year for them. The question was, how well could they rebuild? How much progress could they make with guys? Could they find a way to string together wins? And and they did. And I think it's important to note that they did in the second half of the season, especially when they got their best player back in TJ Watt. All that said, I think that the Steelers put themselves in a strong position 
for a lot of young players to believe themselves and say, hey, you know what? We struggled, but we also fought back. We had some success. Now we know what things we need to work on and how we can be better in 2023 and beyond. To me, that was a success if you were looking at it objectively. Uh, if you were thinking that the Steelers were going to go into the playoffs and dominate or anything like that, I think that you were uh, a little mistaken there. I think we all kind of knew last year was kind of that rebuilding year. But to finish exactly. with a record, that's a pretty strong way, and especially the way that they finished it with the adversity that they overcame that year. Yeah, I agree with you, Christopher. And I think a lot of people, especially me, when we walked into becoming, you know, walked into this organization as fans from a fans base standpoint or a fandom standpoint to be more exact, we walked into basically Ben Roethlisberger, who retired like a year ago, a little over a year now being the final piece to that championship team that was missing. Like, you know, he was practically playing plug-in that eventually turned into the dominator and the guy to take over. And it's real hard to come from that to back to where you were in 2003 or 2004 when you were trying to figure out, similar to what you was figuring out this past season with Ben and Tommy Maddox back in 2003-2004 to similar to what you have been dealing with this, this past season with quarterbacks Mitchell Trubisky who's a six-year veteran and then you got Kenny Pickett who you drafted out of pit many people wanted him to start right away obviously that didn't happen thank God it didn't because I don't think it was wise just me to throw a rookie right under the you know right in the mix maybe he had it to start right away maybe he didn't but I think that was more of a safety standpoint than anything else um speaking of which we talked about rookies. The NFL draft has just passed. Mm-hmm. This being said, we are we're gonna kick off this episode. We're recapping without question what was one of the best drafts in the NFL that the Pittsburgh Steelers has ever done in the past 20 years, at least. They've had plenty of good ones, but this one, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm really for the first like for the first time in a hot minute, I'm actually excited for football season to start just because I want to see what these rookies are going to do this year on this team. So, as we are now about to recap the NFL draft, what are your overall thoughts on this team as, you know, the draft is over with? What how you think they did on the draft? What you think they could have done better if they could? Where do you think they went wrong a little? Give me your overall opinion. I, I thought they knocked it out of the park as far as several of their picks. I, I think that there was, you know, Broderick Jones, I, I, I talked about them trading up for him before the draft. They traded up, they got him, and they didn't even lose that much value to to trade up and get him. Exactly. Uh, and they even got the fourth, basically the fourth round pick that they lost back through another trade to trade down and still get Darnell Washington. Um, all four, I, I, as I said on my show, the Lockdown Steelers podcast, all four of the Steelers top first first four picks in the first, second, and third round. When you look at those guys, I ranked them all in my top 33 on my big board. So like Broderick Jones, I had in the top 10, Joey Porter Jr. I had is ranked at 15. Uh, Keanu Benton, I think I had ranked at 33 and Darnell Washington. I even had ranked at 26. Uh, it was interesting that he fell with, with the knee injury that was rumored to scare some teams away. But you, you look at the value that they got there. All four of those guys fit needs that the Steelers have. 
offensive tackle, now you have one and you have a first round one who projects to be a guy that could be a pillar piece for your offensive line that you're trying to guy that'll beat you up. <laughs> exactly. And, and Mike Tomlin's talked about that. You know, he he wants physicality, he wants guys that are gonna set the tone. Then you get Joey Porter Jr., who's a corner who's gonna beat you up, and he's gonna be able to reset what it means to be a Steelers corner. Keanu Benton, a defensive lineman who's gonna beat you up, and he's he, he's gonna out physical. And even Darnell Washington, he's a tight end who's gonna beat you up because he blocks really well and he's extremely strong and he's tall at six foot seven. So you get a bunch of guys who play physical style of the ball and can bring energy to the team. I, I think they addressed a lot of needs. The biggest thing that they missed on, I'd say, is they, they didn't get their off-ball linebacker who can play you know, inside linebacker. And you know, there's going to be questions as far as who covers over the middle and on short passes, as well as the slot corner position, because there were several slot corners I thought they could have taken that they didn't, even though they did get, again, a lot of really good hits and good value for the other guys that they picked, including Nick Herbig, who they got in the fourth round. So needs needs that they didn't address sure but i feel like a lot of the major needs that they need here they got to early and they got to it in, in, in it with uh with really good players a hundred percent agree with you there christopher um obviously this honestly this draft really taught me how meant how much needs this team truly had heading into this offseason and the fact that you were you know a good I would say a good estimation of how many of them needs that these draft picks and the free agent signings has covered. Um, I feel like they addressed at least 80% to 90% of these needs on this team to a point. They're not coming into this season with even remotely, not even remotely as many needs as they were coming into heading into these past two seasons and when you have all of that and you're a Steelers fan and the worst you have seen your team was nine and eight in you know, this past season and nine, seven and one, which was Roethlisberger's last year, you have to feel good about this. And like you said, they hit it out the park. It's just to a point that I don't see how any fan can complain about this draft. I really don't. As a person who who covers who covers sports a lot, there's always going to be fans who find something to complain about. But uh, again, I think that that uh, you know you look at the needs, and sure, you could say you know what, maybe slot corner or off ball linebacker was a bigger need than tight end. However, I think Darnell Washington gives you another legitimate guy who can push you know push for time with Pat Fryermuth and be a, a significant receiving threat as well as a really good blocker um, and and give yourself more twelve personnel flexibility with this roster. Just as I think Joey Porter Jr. can start as a start at corner, just as I think Keanu Benton could be a nose tackle for you early on and then develop into a three tech type of type of defensive lineman who's able to flex out and learn from Cam Hayward and Larry Joby alongside of DeMarvin Leal and of course Broderick Jones I think that he he's gonna he's gonna come into camp initially Dan Moore Jr. is gonna have the the number one spot being the the starter from last year that's how Mike Tomlin works it's the same thing with Kenny Pickett Kenny Pickett had to earn his way up the ladder I think that's a very healthy way that the Steelers handle things Najee Harris had to earn his way up the ladder when he first got to training camp now some take longer than others uh like Najee Harris was the number one running back by you know, the third week of training camp, but, uh, and Kenny Pickett took until about four weeks into his, for his rookie season, but it's a different pace for everybody. I think Broderick Jones, he'll be a, a little bit similar to Najee Harris. I think by maybe that first preseason game, we'll see him taking over a little bit more and getting those reps there. But again, like you said, they addressed a lot of needs there. Um, and again, there's still needs that are there and we still need to see how some of these guys play because, you know, if we're assuming that 
Joey Porter Jr. is great at corner right now, and he, you know, he he gets beat a lot, then cornerback be- still becomes a need. But as far as on paper and how the, I graded things out in the draft process, I think that they did a more than adequate job at filling those roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're and we're going to get into that. As a matter of fact, we're getting into that right now because that was going to be my next question for you, Christopher. Was what grade would you give the Steelers based on the draft? What is your overall grade for this team on how they drafted? How do you think they did? What letter grade from A? Okay, would you give them an A, a B, a C, a D, or an F? I give them an A. I mean, again, they they addressed their needs. They got to they got to the important picks. Um, uh, and they waited for value. And again, like even when they traded up, like a lot of people were saying, oh, Omar Khan was so aggressive. Giving up a fourth round pick isn't that aggressive. The Steelers were more aggressive to go get Devin Bush in 2019 when they gave up a second and a third round pick. And, you know, you look at this, they traded up for le- they traded up less spots with a, with, a, with a much lower pick that they recouped later on. Um, I, I think it was just the fact that they were patient. They were savvy with their board. They knew how they had a good feel for how other teams would would handle their handle their needs, and that really helped them moving forward. So, all, all that being said, I think the Steelers did a a fine job uh, handling that. So that's why I gave them an A. Yeah, I definitely agree. I agree. I give them an A to an A minus. I don't I don't see how this team this team swung and it did not miss. You know, you could. You can definitely argue they did hit home runs throughout this entire draft. They truly showed everyone this draft alone why every draft pick that you have matters. And because you got potential starters in every last one of these picks. Darnell Mm -hmm. Washington, Joey Porter Jr. You got, you know, Broderick Jones. You have, who else we're missing? Nick Herbig who I think is going to be a huge, if I got a dark horse pick, okay, you know, if I have a dark horse pick of who's going to have a huge impact on this team right away, especially from a defensive standpoint, I'm going to go with that guy. I see his highlights in Wisconsin, and you know what? That guy is no joke. I don't even understand how he fell that far. And there's just one team, and I mean it's in the most humble way, that will make you pay for allowing talent to fall into later rounds. And that team, for the past 20 years, if it ain't the New England Patriots, it's our fellow Pittsburgh Steelers. They have truly made the best out of the late round talents. We have DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you can consider Pat Firemuth for George Pickens late rounds because those were first round projectors and who fell the late rounds. Um, you, it's, it's so many to name. Antonio Brown is another one. Uh, it's just been so many, and honestly, Darnell Washington and Nick Herbig is about to join that list, in my opinion. I would not be surprised if these two just start popping off right away, especially with you know Nick Holacombe and all these other guys right there to guide them. And then you got TJ, you got Cam, and a lot of people are forgetting about that part. The fact that these are studs who got young studs who obviously going to need some time to develop and get their shoes wet a little because it's an adjustment going from, you know, college football to the NFL to the pros. But under Mike Tomlin, that's dangerous. A coach who has coached mediocre teams up or maybe worse than mediocre teams up to relevancy, I would not, and I tell everybody this, and I'm not being biased because I'm a Steeler fan. I am being a realist. 
They better pray. If you're not the Kansas City Chiefs and you're in the AFC, you better pray these draft picks doesn't work out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because if you're not them for these next five to ten years, and this includes the AFC North Division, I would not want to play this team for the next five to ten years, especially coming into this year because you don't really know what's coming in a good way. It's a good way for us Steelers fans. I feel like the only question mark we're really going to have heading into this season is our offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. But we're going to get it to him later on in this episode as well. But we talk about the rookies and we talk about which ones can be dark horse, which ones can be, which ones are expecting to pop like ASAP, who's going to have the biggest pop. So with that being said, which rookie are you expecting to have the biggest pop in the Steel City their first year on the Steelers? Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., tight end Darnell Washington, you know, linebacker Nick Horvick, et cetera. Who are you expecting to have the bigger pop or the biggest pop out of these rookie draft class? Well, it depends on what you're talking about with pop. If you're talking about, I think, most noticed impact, I think that's all. Yes. going to be Joey, Joey, Joey Porter Jr. because fans are going to see him making plays on the outside. And I think that he's going to have that, that, that there. But I, I think the biggest real impact that's going to happen is Broderick Jones. I think that when he gets into the run game and he's able to, to, to plow the plow more holes open along next to Isaac Samalo on that left side, I think you're going to see more holes open up for Najee Harris. And you're going to see the Steelers run game be finally what they've been trying to make it for the last couple of years with Najee Harris. And so, you know, I think Joey Porter Jr. will be the one that fans, I think, see more. But I think what's going to, what, I think who's going to have a bigger impact overall is going to be Broderick Jones, especially if he's working in concert with the rest of the offensive line, because that's a big part of it, too. It's not enough to be a good offensive lineman. You have to be a good offensive lineman who's, who's working well with his teammates. You know, back in, I want to say it was 2013 when uh, it, was a, it was a fourth year. Uh, Marquise Pouncey and a second year David DeCastro and in the opening game of the season David DeCastro tried to cut block a defensive tackle and when he did he uh, he missed and he hit Marquise Pouncey's knee and he took him out for the season and that doesn't mean that didn't mean that you know David DeCastro wasn't going to go on and be a great offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers because he was same thing for Mar Marquise Pouncey but it took time for them to coalesce and not that you know, Broderick Jones is going to take out anybody's knee, but it takes time to kind of get on the same page to understand how to work together. As we saw with last year's Steelers offensive line, they were terrible in the opening months of the season. But in that second half, after that bye week, you saw them come together. You saw them protect Kenny Pickett better. You saw them improve. I think they were averaging like 93 yards rushing per game in the first eight games. And then the last nine games, it jumped up to 146 rushing yards per game. So um, you, you look at numbers like that, it takes time for offensive linemen to get going. But uh, to answer your question, I think Joey Porter Jr. would be the one that I think fans notice the most. But I think Broderick Jones is going to really have the biggest impact when an offensive line starts really going. Yeah, I'm so excited to see him. And actually, here's a fun fact. I was, on, I was at the draft party. Um, I went to the draft party hosted here in Pittsburgh last week when, you know, Joey Porter Jr. was announced as the 32nd overall pick. I was right there. I was watching the Cameron Hayward podcast live. Hopefully, I could get him up here one day if he ever watches this. But, um, yeah. And I saw Broderick Jones. And when I say that dude is a huge dude. He's huge. He is a monster. And, I, like, I was like, are you serious? This is the new offensive lineman? I'll just say this. Something just telling me right in my heart that – 
If I'm a defensive lineman, I would not want to play this guy for the next couple of years. He just looks like the type of player that, without question, will beat you up. Like, that's the vibe I get from him. And then it really stunned me on um, Cameron Hayward's podcast when he interviewed him. Mm -hmm. And he was asking, what do, you know, what is us, okay, what is us Steeler fans going to get out of you in your first year or what what can they expect from you and he told them straight up they got themselves a dog and i'm like okay you look like somebody who will beat someone up you're telling someone that you will beat them up on that you know on that defensive line on that offensive line so it's like I'm really excited to see what he's going to do because Najee, to me, loves to run to the left side. I feel like that's his favorite side to run. And the fact that you're going to have him, you're going to have, Dan, you know, Chris Daniels, Mason Cole, all them guys who, by the way, some of the is the most, without question, underrated free agent signings that this team has had in the past, you know, two seasons, in my opinion, because the way they gelled out that offensive line, they have solved to me a lot of problems that we didn't, that we clearly, you know, visioned in 2021 and 2020 and every other season that we saw the decline, but moving on because we now have to speak about divisional competition, speak about, you know, the, the conference and all this. Let's move on now to this question. How does the Steelers now stack against the other teams in the AFC after the NFL draft, in your opinion? Um, you know, I think it depends on, you know, how some things work out. Uh, you know, I liked the Ravens draft class. If you look at how they play, I mean, Zay Flowers, I, I covered him in the ACC. He's a heck of a playmaker. Trenton Simpson, uh, a linebacker that I thought would have been a good pick for the Steelers a- as well. Um, Caillou Blue Kelly, a guy that, that that you know had connections to Mike Tomlin, all guys there that I really thought were of really good value for them. Um, and so I- I'm interested to see how well do, do the Ravens put things together. They got Lamar Jackson's deal done. They brought in Odo Beckham Jr. They got the Safe Flowers kid. Can this offense fly now with a new offensive coordinator? Um, there's gonna, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered there. And how will their defensive line look uh, with no Calais Campbell? Um, you know, you know, can Roquan Smith carry the load at linebacker and keep that defense uh, competitive? That's still a big question mark with the Ravens. The Browns, I, I still don't put much stock in, you know, what the Browns have been doing. I just, you know, I, I think it's, it's Cedric Tillman was a good pick. I wasn't a big Siaki Ika guy or a big Dewan Jones guy. Um, so I think that they're in a position where, you know, they uh, – they, they got some work to do. Maybe Deshaun Watson, you know, comes into form and becomes a superstar quarterback that they traded for him to get. But or but I just I don't think that I don't see that happening with them. But the biggest question is going to be the Bengals. The Bengals have been the top dogs in the division for the last two years. Um, they got, a I think, a really good value for Miles Murphy at the 28th overall pick. Um, I like DJ Turner. I like Jordan Battle. I like Charlie Jones. So uh, they, I think they also did a good job with their draft class. Um, but. I think one of the biggest questions that still remains for them, can their offensive line hold up? And uh, I think the Steelers with their additions on the defensive front, and if TJ Watt can stay healthy along with Cam Hayward, I think the Steelers could be a team that gives them a lot of problems and gets and gets into the backfield, disrupts exactly. Joe Burrow, and, and gets things going for them. I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to win the division or anything, but I, I do think that the AFC North, I think the Steelers stand a better chance at winning the division then I think most people will give them credit for this year. But again, I'm not going to pick them to win it exactly. just now. I, I, I think I'm going to 
I think we can look at this and say objectively, the Steelers have gotten better this offseason. Now it's just a matter of can they can they take can the guys who were first year guys last year and second years, can they take significant steps forward? If Kenny Pickett's a much better quarterback this year and he shows all the progress that we started to see last year, great, awesome. But if he stagnates, if he's if he's kind of still figuring things out. That could slow things down for the Steelers, and that could make life a little bit harder, especially against some of these AFC North teams who I think will be pretty competitive. Yeah, and that's the thing that bothered me. And you know what? It's just it was something that was said that really bothers me real quick. And I actually have to bring this up again. I brought it up the last time, um, you know, the last episode when I had Brian McFadden as my special guest up here. So that you spoke about the AFC North, you spoke about how competitive it is, and you can guarantee the Steelers going to win the division. You cannot. I think both sides, in my right opinion, it's understandable because this team has gotten better. This is not going to be the same hot mess team that we knew it was going to be headed into, you know, last season. So I got to ask this question right here. Because I would like to know from your perception, is this right here? Because this is the thing that really just got to me a little bit when I saw this on Twitter. And I asked. And a lot of people, you know, didn't like this, this comment and neither did I. So when Pro Football Focus made a post about who will win the AFC North or who will correct me win the AFC North next season, former Bengal player, Chad Ochocinco had, let's just say a little trash talk towards the other three teams in this division. When he, and I quote stated with all due respect to the other three teams that made roster improvements this off season, there's still nothing any of them can do even with the draft coming up that can put them in contention to win the AFC North. Hashtag respectfully with the tiger emoji. Yeah, I now, mean, what do you think about that? I mean, it's not, I don't see it as a big, as a big deal. I mean, it's Chad Ochocinco. He's a legendary mm-hmm. Bengal. Um, he's a guy who made his career there um, and, and still has a lot of tie ties to, um, you know, to, to the Bengals organization and he roots for them. And that, that's natural for guys. I mean, there's a lot of ex Steelers that, that root for the Steelers all the time. So right. I, I don't think that that's, that's that big a deal. It's just, you know, it's, it's him being, you know, being supportive and a fan of his, uh, of his own, of his own guys. But, uh, you know, I, I do think it, Chad Ochocinco is entitled to his opinion. And I think the Bengals are going to come in as favorites this year. They still have Joe Burrow. They still have Jamar Chase. They still have T. Higgins. They still have, you know, they, they, they've won the division two straight years. They were, they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, two years ago, they almost got back there again this year. So um, I, I think that there is a, there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on the bone of, you know, the Bengals. But I, I do think this as well. I think that losing both their starting safeties was a, is going to be a challenge for them. I think that they're going to have to make some changes. Lou Anamorado, uh, their defensive coordinator, I think he's done a spectacular job for the Bengals in getting them ready for playoff games and making some key adjustments on defense. But now how is he going to operate with the a lot of new guys in the secondary. How are they going to take steps forward? And, you know, again, that offensive line, you know, Jonah Williams hasn't worked out. Um, they didn't get one of the premier offensive tackles of this draft class or any offensive tackle of this draft class. I think that that could be a spot where the Steelers take advantage of things. So Huge I think advantage. it's going to be some good battles this year. Yeah. And that's the thing that really bothered me about that tweet. Cause it's like, 
I get where you're coming from. You know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I just felt mm-hmm. like he should have been a little more humble with that because what's, what's he got yeah. to be humble for? He, he's he's made his millions. He's good, right? Like so, it's just that's just more of a like he's gonna say that kind of stuff. I, that's why I don't put too much stock in when things to like that, that nonsense. Said, that's just to get a response. It's just to. It's just to get it's just to get people excited. It's also to get Bengals fans excited because you got to remember, as excited as you are about the Steelers, there's Bengals fans that are excited about the Bengals, and it's just a matter of you know I don't think it's a, a lack of humility. It's just like you know what he put his opinion out there. It's it's whatever. The Steelers have to yeah. stay focused on themselves. Like one of the biggest things that I think was looked over in the 2020 playoff game uh, against the Browns when the Browns were hyped up because they said, "Oh, the Steelers called us nameless gray faces." The Steelers call everyone nameless gray faces. You know why? Because they don't care who they're playing. They, they say, we got to focus on us. That's how the Steelers approach things. And when they do that, I think that's been that mentality that's helped them put themselves in position to be a stronger team because they're not worried. I mean, they're studying what their opponents do, but they're not wondering at night, oh, what is what is Joe Burrow going to do to us? They're like, you know what? This is what we're going to do to Joe Burrow. So right. I, I don't think it's as fun as it can be to talk about what Chad Ochocinco says. I think the biggest key is to stay focused on the Steelers and talk about how they're making progress. Uh, and I think that right now they're making progress. So stay yeah. focused on that and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I that post right there, it definitely got me excited. And I agree. Um, it definitely got me excited. I just wish he was a little more careful with his words because – that can come back to haunt you. You know how Steeler Nation is. They're gonna if they, especially if the Steelers win this division. It's the internet. Nobody forgets anything, right? Yeah, yeah. They're really gonna get in his behind because them and the Bengals, without question, with all due respect, has been doing a whole lot of chirping among the division in the conference for two and a half years. So that might be, you know, that tweet. It might be the tweet that everyone's waiting to get back to and get at him about if things don't work out well for the Bengals this year. But moving on, because like you said, the Seals got to do what the Seals have to do. They have to stay focused. They have to play their best football, and they got to be better than the opposing teams. Otherwise, they might just be in trouble again this year. With that being said, we, without question, already established this, that offensive coordinator Matt Canada is, without question, the biggest question mark heading into this season because that's the one thing that a lot of people still to this day ain't sold on, and rightfully so, because of the fact of this alone, you only averaged 18.1 points per game last season, which is 31st in the league, versus your opponents who averaged 20.4 you know, points per game. 308 season total points versus your opponent who averaged 346 total points. Then you had a total, you know, of 29 season touchdowns versus your opponents who averaged 37. So it tells us, even with all the injuries, you know, how solid our defense really was. But our offense, not so much. With that being said, do you believe that 2023 – is the do or die year for offensive coordinator Matt Canada? I think so. Um, I mean, again, you look back, like you said, at the at the Steelers' numbers. Uh, they've also been bad for for a few years now. The, the Steelers kind of got into a rut, and this is beyond Matt Canada. They got themselves into a rut just with how things played out at the end of the 2010s. I mean, think about this: when Randy Feetner took over the job. Um, in what was it 2018? I think was his was his first year. He yeah. thought he was getting the killer bees. 
prime, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, which we thought who we thought was going to last much longer than he did uh, as far as, you know, avoiding a major injury, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And then all of a sudden Le'Veon Bell tears, it doesn't even show up for camp and he doesn't show doesn't. up at all for the season. And so now the, one of the best running backs in football isn't available to you. Then at the end of the 2018 season, Antonio Brown refuses to play, walks off the field, and then they have to they have to let him go and trade him to another team. And then that in 2019, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. And we've now seen what's going on with him. Um, <laughs> and then Ben Roethlisberger, the very next year in game two, tears up his his, his elbow and he's out for the season. So. In in less than a in less than a season and a half, Randy Feetner, who was brought in and hired to to coach up the the killer bees and make that offense work, was without all three of the killer bees, and then he was basically sent out, right. And so he and then he was sent out of town. Matt Canada then inherited that situation with a, a, an older Ben Roethlisberger who needed to kind of figure some things out um, and, and adjust his game a bit. And then I think after by twenty by late twenty twenty, even before twenty twenty one. We saw the limitations of, of an older Ben Roethlisberger. His legs weren't weren't all the way there, which kind of prevented him from consistently throwing a deep ball as, as well as he used to. And I think all of that played into, you know, limit limiting the offensive coordinator. And then last year for Matt Canada, you had Mitch Trubisky to start the season. Then Kenny Pickett took over. It took a while for Kenny Pickett to get adjusted. You didn't have the best offensive line. But by the end of the year, your offensive line got better. The Steelers, uh, you know, I, I think that they are in a position where They've had a lot of turnover, but I agree. This is a year where you have a second-year quarterback who your franchise thinks could be the franchise quarterback. You have a third-year running back who I think is ready to break loose in Najee Harris. You've got playmakers in Deontay Johnson, Darnell Washington, Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens, uh, and I, I think Allen Robinson could also be a good third, and Calvin Austin could even come off the bench uh, and, and play well there. You have an offensive line that, that, that's, that improved last year, and now you added a significant piece in free agency in Isaac Swallow yeah, and a significant piece in the draft in Broderick Jones. You have all the tools in front of you to make this offense run. If it doesn't, I think the Steelers will move on. Typically three years is around the time that a lot of coaches get if they're not catching any traction. Um, so I'd, ex I'd expect that from them from them in this situation. You look at, you know, Randy Feekner, he was in a similar spot. Matt Canada, uh, I think he's now in that spot as well. Um, you know, so I, I – and, and listen, Matt Canada – you know, had had a lot of odds up against them. Again, all the all the the lacking of uh, the personnel that they lacked on offense. You know, people talked about how the Steelers had the most expensive defense in the NFL last year. They had the least expensive offense, and part of that's just a balance of what happens when you have that turnover. So, I I, I give I give Matt Canada some grace, but the grace ends this year. If this team is still ranking in the 20s offensively, he will be gone. I think that they need to get 15 and above as far as finishing how many you know points per game scored in the NFL. That might save his job. Yeah, I agree with you, Christopher. And you mentioned, you know, it's a do or die year basically for Matt Canada because I'm looking at a lot of these free agents back-to-back -back years on this offensive line. We spoke on it. James Daniel from the Chicago Bears. Mason Cole from the Minnesota Vikings, who, you know, in my rightful opinion, has solved a lot of these other issues on the offensive line that are no longer there. Nate Herbig from the New York Jets this offseason, along with Isaac Samalu from the Philadelphia Eagles, who a lot of Eagle fans are upset about coming to Pittsburgh and leaving Philadelphia, which is a great sign for us. There's no excuses now for Matt Canada. Um, this is three years. Three different quarterbacks, technically four if you want to include Mason Rudolph in that. 
And one of them got to work or your system and you just got to bounce out of town. It's plain as simple as that. I think this is a young team that can definitely compete. I am expecting a playoff spot, at least this year for this team. I don't see why not, especially with the team offensively, defensively, we got on paper that I think we both can agree has gotten better. Secondary still got a little question marks. Losing Cam Sutton could definitely, you know, can be a blow. Then you have, but you got Patrick Peterson, who just coming off of his best year, even though his age can create a question mark as well. You still got Minka Fitzpatrick. You lost, you know, Terrell Edmonds, but you did gain two safeties in the process. So I just think, like, you have more than enough to work with. We mentioned Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. We mentioned also... Pat Fryer move, Allen Robinson, you know, from a trade with the Rams where they basically only gave up a half-eaten bag of chips to get. Pat Fryer moves, Zach Gentry, Connor Hayward, who a lot of people are forgetting about, Darnell Washington with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. This should be without question to me with all the experience, all the talent, and the fact that you know what you got within your players. This should be, in my right opinion, a top 10 offense heading into this season. And that's what I'm expecting. Top 15 at worst, but I'm not accepting anything less than that. But we spoke on Kenny Pickett, and we started to speak on wide receiver George Pickens. So with that being said, do you think this upcoming season will be a big leap year for quarterback Kenny Pickett and wide receiver George Pickens? I think so. I think Kenny Pickett – I covered Kenny Pickett in college at Pitt for his last uh, two years of playing – and one thing I noticed about Kenny Pickett, he's going to outwork everybody. Like, you know, he's about he's about trying to make it so that he can that, that he is not unprepared. If, if his team fails, it is not because he didn't prepare as much as because, you know what, things didn't work out. But it's and, and, and you know, he made mistakes, but they're correctable mistakes. They're in the in the in the moment decisions that could have been better. But it's not because. He wasn't staying at the facility late. I mean, if you if you read the one of the articles that the, that the Steelers put out themselves with from Teresa Varley in her interview of Kenny Pickett, the guy was coming in at, at night and leaving at night. Like he was he was coming in when it was dark out in the morning. He was leaving when it was dark out at night. That's just the, the work ethic that he's always had had when he was at Pitt. He did a lot of those things. So I, I really think uh, Kenny Pickett is ready for a big leap. I also think George Pickens uh, getting time to build with Kenny Pickett. I think he's going to fill out his frame a little bit more because he's a little bit skinnier. And I think he's going to get a little bit stronger this year. Um, I think both of them are, are due for some, for some growth and growth together. Cause you know, chemistry is important. Kenny Pickett wasn't for sure the number one quarterback last year. Uh, now he is, and he's had an off season of workouts with his guys. I'd be very intrigued to see how much progress we get to see from these guys in training camp. And then how that translates to the field in the regular season. Yeah, definitely. And you know what, Christopher? You are the best person I could have picked for this episode. I'm, I'm well, so thank serious. You. Because, uh, listen, you're hitting it right on the note. You're Listen, you're keeping it positive, yes. But you're also keeping it real at the same time. And you're just letting the people know, like, this is what it is. This is what it has to be. Or some more changes will have to be made. And I love it. Because this is what, you know, needs to be said. This is what needs to be heard. Whether those who want to sit here and say, oh, no, 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 no. Whether they like it or not, the truth, the facts, the positivity with it. I love it. I enjoy it. So with that being said, we're going to continue to speak on this team and how it stacks up. Is the Steelers now, in your opinion, after the draft, after the free agency, a playoff team? And will they win the AFC North Division or can they win the AFC North Division? 
along with that, I would love for you to give me your projected record for the team for the 2023 season. Uh, I think they're a playoff team. The thing is, though, this AFC conference is packed. I mean, you look what the Jets have added with, with, with Aaron Rodgers. The Bills are still going to be a problem. Uh, you know, the Colts, I like their draft class. Um, you know, but the AFC North is going to be tough. Will the Ravens rise up with Lamar Jackson signing the long-term deal? Will the, the Bengals, they're still going to be there. Um, you know, I, I look at uh, the AFC West, the Chiefs are still going to be there. The Chargers with Justin Herbert, I think they're ready to, to take a step up. Will the Broncos uh, live up to the hype when, of when they got Russell Wilson? You know, he didn't work out last year, but can he improve? Um, there, there's going to be some serious competition this year. So uh, the Steelers will have to fight for it, but I think that they will. Uh, fight for it. I don't know if they'll win the division, but I see them getting a- at least 10 wins this upcoming season, maybe 11 or 12. Um, I think they're going to shock some people. I, I, but a big part of this is about how healthy they can be because truly you look back to last season, they make the playoffs if TJ Watt doesn't get hurt for two months the way he was. And so or if Mitch uh, Trubisky know, don't throw three picks against the Ravens. That too. There's a, <laughs> again, there's a lot of things you could point to where last year they were this close. If one, one of those things goes the other way, the Steelers might, might, might be in the playoffs uh, and we might be talking about the season a little bit differently, but um, this year, I think that they'll be sharper. I think if, they, if that they're going to be healthier, um, and I think that that's going to lead to them making the playoffs. And I, I also say this: I think they're going to win a playoff game or two. I think they're going to the way that they play football or they want to play football. Their defense is going to be tougher this year. I think that their offense is going to be better. They're not going to be elite by any means. I think that they're. But again, like if we're looking at the Steelers over the years, if they are like. If the Steelers, when they won the Super Bowl in 2008, their offense ranked 20th. I think you'd like to see them rank more like 16th. Um, but if you do, if you if you're doing that, you can. Uh, if you're getting to 16 and your defense is ranking in the top 10, that can make you a, a real contender. So um, I'm gonna pick them not to win the division. I'll pick them to be a playoff team and win. I'll even say two playoff games. I think that they'll they'll, they'll do some damage there. Okay. I think the division, though, you can hold that off a little bit just to see how things play out this year yeah, for the yeah, other three I mean, teams. Or who knows, at who, least for you, the you Ravens. You never know how things are going to play out. Yeah, because honestly, and this is me being a little biased here. Well, no, this is me being realist, but I think they could win the division. They could, not saying they're going to, but they can. I think they're in the conversation sure. more than people want to give them. Um, but there is, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I fear the Ravens. I do. Lamar Jackson, we know what they can do, but if there's one defense that can neutralize his abilities to his best, it's our, it's our Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So I think the only question that's going to head into that game is, can Najee Harris outrun Edwards? Can Kenny Pickett outgun Lamar Jackson? And can, you know, Deontay Johnson outplay OBJ? Can uh, George Pickens outplay Zay Flowers? And can Pat Firemove be the more dominant tight end that game than Mark Andrews? And that Raven defensive line is nasty. I'm, I told a lot of people, the Ravens has never really had such a strong receiving core. This is arguably the strongest receiving core the Ravens have had on paper since 2012 when it was Torrey Smith and Jacoby Jones and Anquan Bolden and them boys. And that was back then when it was Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, all the heavy hitters, basically one half of what made the AFC North what it is today. But I will be lying right now if I tell you that just a little that that Raven team that we see now on paper, especially that defensive line, does not remind me a little bit 
of that defensive line back in the day. They are, I think the Steelers and the Ravens are slowly but surely going back to them old styles, obviously with a more modern, you know, modern day upgraded version with the mobile quarterbacks. But that defense, if either one of those defenses gets back to how it how they once were, and they're on their way to being just that if they're not there already, the whole, excuse me for my language, but the whole damn AFC better look out because I would not want to see either one of those teams. And my right opinion as of right now, I believe that the AFC North division will be, be, will be determined between these two teams right here. But agree with you 10 plus win team without question i looked at their schedule i just feel like if this team doesn't make the playoffs this year excuse me for my language again but we're just straight up ass <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really how i feel it's it's no excuse this year but, but I, also, I also think you always like I, I get i get making bold statements is fun and part and part of the media game but I always put things in temperaments and parentheses and things like that because, like, you never know what's going to happen to a team. Like, you know, right. like the 2019 Steelers, people thought that they were going to make the playoffs. Oh, Ben went down for the year. That changes everything. So, like, what happens yeah. if Ken Pickett goes down for the year? What happens if TJ Watt goes down again for the year? You know, the that changes everything about, about this team. And, and I think that this is still a young team in a lot of regards. So yes. they have a lot of formative – Time, time to, to build up right now. I think so. Uh, you know, if they if they don't make it and everyone's healthy, sure, that is a that is a very big disappointment. If if there's injuries, there's always things that play into that, and that, that's yeah. why I always kind of you know I try not to speak in definites as as much as I can. Um, but uh, when it comes to to this season, I do agree. Play it should be playoffs or bust as far as their plans. You know, if if injuries happen, you know, you hope that they're not long term, but. Uh, you know, we've seen other teams as well get derailed by the by those type of injuries uh, too. And yeah, and when you have a great coach like Mike Tomlin, you have a defensive coordinator that you have some hope in with Terrell Austin, who's entering year two, and then you got Matt Canada who needs to just answer the bell, answer the bell, get the playbook going, stretch the playbook out, open up the playbook like we've been we've been promised for two and a half years now. Get it going. Trust Kenny. Hand Kenny the keys. I think if Matt Canada does that and this defense plays as well as it did week one or even even close to it, we got a playoff team. And you know what? We just might have AFC North champions. I would not be surprised if this division turns down between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. I would not be surprised. But Christopher, one more question before I have to let you go here, buddy. And the question is this right here. We talked about your podcast that you co-host, Locked on the Steelers. Is there anything new that could be coming to that podcast that people like I and other Steelers fans or people who just love listening to you in general, is there anything new coming to Locked on Steelers that we should be looking out for or be excited about? Uh, sure. Uh, as always, you can join the you can you can find the Locked On Steelers podcast on your favorite podcasting apps: Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also on Sirius now, so check us out on there. Um, you can also watch us on YouTube. Um, so like you know, that that's awesome. But we one thing we've done on the show, we've done a call line where if you really wanted a question answered on the show by myself and or the guests that we bring on, like Arthur Motes, former Steeler, Jenna Jenna Harner of Channel Eleven, um, you know several different Steelers reporters who have been on the beat uh, for for many years. Uh, if you want a question. You can always call in 412-223-6644, but we are looking for 
uh, we, we are starting up a way for where like, you know, a lot of people call all the time and leave a lot of questions, but um, there's sometimes I can't get to them because they're just, it's just, there's just so many questions that get asked. Exactly. And there's so many things that I have to get to, but we're working up a way where uh, if you donate to a specific charity that we are just working out the financial uh, things for, if you donate like 10 bucks to a specific charity, you can guarantee, be guaranteed to get your question on the show with, within a week so that you can know that your, your show, your question will be answered, addressed and talked about on the show. Um, as long as you donate to that charity, we'll be announcing that on the Lockdown Steelers podcast soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, but as always, we stay consistent at the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We're not sensational. We don't try to you know break headlines. We try to analyze, talk about, give you a good conversation so you can get through your work week um, and uh, enjoy some talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I'm excited. And you know what? Like you guys, you know, like you just said, guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to the, you know, subscribe to me on the Mike Bomb, which is the other podcast I do. Subscribe here to Blitz Hers and subscribe to Locked On Steelers with my guy, Christopher Carter. Mr. Carter, thank you for joining me on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, May Shayla, signing out. My special guest, Christopher Carter. If you guys are not, Please give this man a follow on Twitter at Carter Critics or Critics, correct me. Critiques, sorry. Critiques. Carter yes. Critiques. And give me a follow on Twitter and on social media in general at Shay Max Sports. So this is your host, May Shayla signing out. And this is Blitz Hurts Podcast. See you guys. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Goes to the back of the end zone and it is Fires intercepted, picked off in a pick six. Mika Fitzpatrick is an absolute ball hawk. a pick down here. From the gun, soon as show blitz, here they come, he gets it away, and it's picked off at the goal! Picked off Polamalu. Pedal to the metal, got you by a jumping game, I'm falling out on every level. Hit them, hit us all, but there's nothing you can tell them. Pick it up, not a pressure, throws on the right, quarterback, no touchdown! No keys, push to start.